The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Learn the language of spirit This is the Intuitive Life with Laura Wooster Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Intuitive Life, where we walk together and support each other on the path to becoming more spiritually aware, enlightened, and inspired. We will be taking your calls today just for questions. We're not doing readings today, but um, I'm sure you may have questions for my guest today. Fascinating, fascinating author and person um, that I think you would love to ask questions um, from her. So it's 816-251-3555. Again, it's 816-251-3555. And we'll be taking calls in the the second half of the show. Um, Just a couple of um, notes about my calendar. I have an event coming up online. So if you're anywhere in the world, in the country, wherever you may be, you can join us. It's September 25th, Where Two Worlds Meet, a demonstration of mediumship. And that's to benefit the Journey Within Church of New Jersey. Um, It'll be with myself and Lori Sheridan, Janet Nohavik. and it's uh, like I said, it's an online demonstration of mediumship. And so come and join us. You'll join us by Zoom. And um, we, we find even though it's not in person, it's just as healing. And um, it's, it's a nice experience. So you can always go to my website at laurawister.com um, to learn more about that. And I have some other classes as well coming up um, in person at Circles of Wisdom in Massachusetts, um, and also some other online classes as well, if you'd like to check that out. But I want to get right to my guest today, because this, I, I have to say, I have read so many books from mediums over the last several years, um, like hundreds, and this is probably one of the best accounts I've read from a medium about what it's like to awaken as a medium in the modern world. Um, it, 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 it just, I've always struggled with the right words to describe what that's like. And, and my guest today has nailed it. And so I want to introduce her right now. It's Karen Francis McCarthy. Um, Karen is a former political journalist and war correspondent. She's a published author, teacher, and progressive spiritualist medium. Her latest book, Till Death Do Don't Us Part, A True Story of Awakening, to Love and Life is a, a number one Amazon hot new release, and it's also an Amazon bestseller. And I uh, experienced this book over this weekend, and I have to say, just get the book. You have to get the book. <laughs> it's a wonderful <laughs> story, amazing story, and like I said, it was beautifully written. So welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you so much for taking time to be here. Oh, thank you, Laura. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the book as well. Oh, my goodness. It was just, like I said, I've read so many books by mediums and it really it 
it, like uh, like was uh, we were talking just before we went on the air this this book is twofold it's a story of grief and the processing uh, a major loss of a, of a dear loved one and also your awakening as as a medium at this almost almost exactly at the same time which is quite yeah. a quite a process so if you could mm-hmm. share a little bit about about um how how this story started for you yeah, I think it's um, something that a lot of people um, start to experience, have these other extra experiences in relation to trauma. It's quite, it happens quite a lot. I'm sure you've come across where um, a, trauma, a traumatic event in somebody's life, we know near-death experiences are a classic case of this, um, but also the, the death of a loved one. And in my case, as you know, I was an entirely devoted skeptic um, before my partner passed spirit world. And he would have been too, which is quite surprising also. As well. <laughs> but um, I was actually working on my first book, which was part of the Northern Ireland Peace Process, because at the time I was covering politics as a journalist. And when I got this very abrupt and sudden, this very sudden phone call, just one afternoon out of the blue when I was down in Virginia, um, to say he had just dropped dead of a sudden massive heart attack and he was only 41. So just trying to absorb that, you know, and being away, it just, you know, it's hard to come to terms with. Right. And I think for a lot of people in those situations, the you know, obviously the first thing that happens to a lot of people when they hear of the sudden death of a loved one, and even if it's expected to a large degree, is just this shock. It's almost like it's a self-preservation, um, you know, place that the mind goes because we just cannot accept the news of what just have happened because it would be overwhelming. And so it takes time uh, to realize what is what has just really happened, you know, uh, and, and start to accept that and understand that. For me, um, what started happening simultaneously was strange things started happening as I wrote about, which were, you know, the bed would creak and black figures would appear and things were touching me. And for me, as a skeptic and a political journalist, and, you know, I, I, my first thought was, good God, I've got lost my mind, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I have, have had some kind of breakdown from this. And so that was frightening that was actually more frightening than what was actually going on ultimately when I realized what was going on, you know. Um, right. But I just fortunately met some very unexpected and very helpful people um, who, one was a Catholic priest, surprisingly enough, I was raised Catholic, hadn't been in a Catholic church except for a funeral, I think, or a wedding maybe since I was 17. And, um, and a Catholic priest, a very compassionate man, sort of started me questioning whether or not there can be some relevance or some veracity to the concept that consciousness survives death. And so that sort of started me off on this little path, led me to the next person, the next person. And of course, my own partner, who, God love me, was trying so hard um, to get through to me. It was not an easy job, I can assure you. But uh, it did eventually. And as you know, the whole kind of first part of the book, the first part of the book is just you know just writing these these experiences just writing these scenes of of all of these things that happened and eventually the sort of being it was i felt like a 
ball in a pinball machine. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of getting banged oh, yes. around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, finally, um, with a considerable amount of help from the living and the, the incarnate and the discarnate, uh, finally the penny dropped, which started a whole new journey, which was a, is a whole other story that right. I started looking at later. Yeah, yeah so... Um, so I can imagine, especially coming from your background as as a war correspondent and and you know more of a journalist and and to to go from hearing you know learning that your your loved one your fiance has passed and then almost immediately starting to experience the paranormal. Um, yeah. How, how did I mean, obviously I mean I'm I remember going through that process of you know. Um, awakening as a medium and saying, I must be losing my mind. What's, what is going mm. on? What was that like for you? Well, I didn't have any association with mediumship at the time. You know, at the time, I was just really just taking it. Um, you, you know, when you're in those very, those early days of, of very intense grief, you're only getting through the day. You're not even getting through the day by day. You're getting through minute by minute, yes. you know. And so it, these were just um, strange, very strange, inexplicable events that were, and I'm not a skittish person by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, first I thought I was looking for practical answers. You know, the bed, yes. I was sleeping and the bed creaked and moved. And as you know, because you had seen where I <laughs> fell out of the bed, cracked my head and got a bottle and was running, heading down the stairs thinking there was an intruder in the house, yeah. you know. And right. sort of you sort of immediately go to these trying to find a rational explanation, and then the next when there is no intruder, and when there is no rational explanation for all of these things going on, the next thing becomes I must have gone out of my mind with grief, which mm-hmm. I couldn't understand either, because you know, that just I couldn't even like how could that have happened? You know how mm-hmm. could I even be having this rational conversation with myself if right. I'd lost my mind? So. You know, as I say, it was, um, it was, when I look back on it now, it was actually kind of scary at the time, uh, not knowing whether or not this was an intruder or this was some kind of nervous breakdown or, God forbid, this was something else. I mean, this something else ended up being more appealing, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can imagine, like, especially when, it, it, you start to like every day starts to be different. Like you see the world differently because it's like if this is true, then this can't be true. And especially being brought up Catholic, you know, I can imagine what that must have been like. Well, yeah, it's like if you start to accept one aspect of, or the potentiality that the that the that the that consciousness is not an emergent property of the brain, which is where this brings you to, right. if. If things are happening, if if if, the, if there is energy or just kind of, and you don't know, but there's something is happening that can't be explained within our normal paradigm, our materialistic world paradigm, then you have to become curious and open to the possibility that consciousness somehow can exist independently of the brain, and that then changes exactly as you're saying. That in itself, without any of everything else. That in itself has to change how you view and your entire perspective on what you think is reality and what you think is the truth. Yes, 
Exactly. Yeah. And that and that can be I, I've seen so many people go through this. I mean, obviously coming to that realization in their own way, um, whether it be, you know, loss, a loss of a loved one or or, um, you know, open up meeting mystically or having a spiritual mm-hmm. experience. And and it, it can spiral them into this, you know, where the their foundation of their understanding of the world just falls apart. And it it can actually mm-hmm. result in depression. Um, mm-hmm. And so as, as people sort of rebuild their their perception of the world yeah you really do yeah yeah yeah. so um when when you started to experience um your fiance reaching out to you from the spirit world um when you first had that first initial connection how was that for you were you how did you determine that it actually was him uh well you know i wrote the first sort of probably 80 or so pages of the book kind of describe that that was a very very slow incremental process yes you know um it was a it was a process where increasingly inexplicable um things were happening and day after day after day after day and then i met as i said you know i was down in virginia so i went to the edgar casey center the world headquarters there i went to a spiritualist church there i went to a catholic church I talked to a psychologist, the lovely late Lou, Professor Lou Legrand, and people were sort of incrementally giving me pieces of information that I was starting to starting to just ponder. I mean, it wasn't like somebody said to me, "Oh no, that well, the priest did say to me that's your loved one giving you a sign. He's still he's still around you," um, yes. which of course, well, that sounded lovely, but you know, I wasn't buying it. You know, but <laughs> it was like. You know, after so many of these, it took a long, it took quite some time. Um, after so many of these incidences happened, and then after having these conversations with people who had had these experiences, as, I, as you know, I went to the spiritualist church and I get a message from him, and I'm still sort of wanting to look over my shoulder saying, how do they know that? You know, because it just didn't, it took a very long time for the penny to drop for me because I was... Yeah, I was a very, very hard person to uh, to to make to, to make to make that turn. I've always said it was a very, very hard turn for me to make. Um, when the penny actually dropped, the, the the sort of little event, which I kind of don't really want to give away because it's the end of the whole first half exactly. of the book, and I kind yeah. of if anyone wants to read the book, it'd ruin it for them. So, I just, but but if I could just say that, well, actually, caused that epiphany in the end, in and of itself, wasn't the most elaborate, necessarily, of events that had happened leading up to this. It was just right. the last of a series of events that finally, bit by bit, I finally got to, the, got to the point where I was willing to even ask the question, are you here? Yeah. It took me a long time to even think that that was even a, a, a no nonsensical question to ask, you know. <laughs> right. And so it was a, it was a really, a, it was really, um, it was kind of like a building, a, a, a sort of a momentum of events that sort of built ultimately to that sort of final epiphany that went, oh, I won't say, I won't use the language I wrote in the book, but basically, yes. oh, holy God, you know that, that really is you, and that. Once, once you have that kind of epiphany, everything changes. Oh yes, that's for sure. It's amazing. Um, and I love that you, you have, you, you're saying that it did build very 
uh, incrementally because I think so yeah. a lot of times when people are are have lost someone and they just want to know are you okay are you around me are you still here are you you know do you still know what's going yeah. on in my life um, that they're grasping for something like the, the the assurance that is so definitive that they can't deny it and it's and I love that you you built it in this like you the way that you told the story it it shows that it it's in, it is incremental that it has to be uh, sort of discovering it as you go along and then um, yeah I think it also depends on where the where you what your starting point is you know because some people um, do uh, subscribe or do have this belief that that the soul continues the spirit continues mm-hmm. and for them then their their questioning and their issue becomes a very different issue because then their question becomes where are the signs you're, if you if you are supposedly still exist which is what I believe or you know the person believes why can't I see signs of you here why aren't you showing me that you're present so they're questioning their journey is a different sort of journey from mine, which is because I didn't, and a lot of people like me, we have this mm-hmm. different journey, which is, well, I don't believe any of that, and it wouldn't even entertain the notion to ask right. that question, you know. And the stuff keeps happening, and you're sort of forced to finally have that sort of jaw-dropping moment where you go, oh, my goodness, this is true. So, But they're different journeys, and both of them come with their own challenges, because you come across, I'm sure you've come across a lot of people who are grieving saying, I've heard... There's supposed to be signs. I'm supposed to receive a sign. I've been asking for a sign and I haven't seen one. And this is not this is not for mediums. Anybody can ask for a sign. You don't have to be because signs happen out in the external world, right? Something moves or you get a smell or you hear something or see something. Um, and so anybody can ask for a sign and receive a sign. And then some people get very depressed, as you were saying earlier, because they don't. Right. When usually what's happening is is they just are not recognizing them. I mean, there is some, exactly. I actually do run a workshop of just helping, you know, the ordinary person in the street sort of, who wants to be able to recognize the subtleties of signs, how to recognize them. Yes. Very easy to miss. They are very easy to miss. And, it, and how, much do you, how much do you think that belief plays a part in that? Well, it's, it's, I think it's really the, the the word I would probably use for it is openness. Yes. You know, if you're open to it. So I'm not saying belief like, oh, I believe that, you know, that that, that just landed beside me is my, you know, it's not really that. Because people get, you know, people get accused all the time of just trying to make things fit exactly. to convince themselves it's a loved one. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that all of these, they're believing all of these things as much as, People are open to the possibility. I feel like if you can be open to the possibility, that's where you, that's the starting point. I mean, even for me, you know, thankfully for me, I had a very persistent fiance, you know, <laughs> who was determined no matter what that I was going to was going to get this through to me. Um, but eventually, it just the, the, the epiphany was just an opening to possibility. But that started a whole new a whole new question, a whole new set of questions about. What exactly survived? What you know, and that's yeah. that led to a whole other thing. Um, and so, um, and the more I got into it, the more other people's relatives were sort of joining us, you know, unexpectedly. When and and I just started being able to share some of this, and eventually, sort of one thing led to another, and 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 people just started getting this convergence of people saying, "You really need to do something with this because." 
what you've just told me about, you know, my friend's mother who committed to, or who died by suicide has just trans- been so healing for the family. You really need to do something with this because it could really help a lot of people. But that, Laura, was by no means uh, <laughs> an overnight you know, I mean, it took me a long time to even admit to the fact that um, I was able to communicate or be communicated with. It took me a long, long time. It took me many years to admit to that. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's almost like I guess, as you're going through the process of telling the story, it was um, you were just collecting information. OK, if this is, you know, is this true? Is this true? Is that true? Is that true? And you were testing yeah. everything. And it was just and, and I'm very, very much like that myself. I'm very logical minded. So it's like, OK, if this is true, then this has to be true. And it's a, it is a long process um, mm-hmm. to of, of acceptance. And there's even times I mean, I'm, I'm curious, too, like even as a working medium today, is there times that you still question um, do, you, do you still yeah, kind of you question know, there sometimes? really is yeah. yeah I mean there's lots of things I do question um, there's you know there's the big question now I, I have of you know in, I'm doing a PhD now so I'm doing a lot of research into sort of the evolution of our perception of spirits and spirit ghosts whatever over over time and what is causing our, what has is affecting our belief systems today you know when we've got people we've got these siloed um studies these all these siloed fields you know you've got like the likes of ions and dean Radin, we've got with sheldrake we've got the roger penrose we've got you know people like bruce grayson and you know david chalmers who are doing all of this fantastic work in consciousness and the paranormal in these very studied scientific way i mean this is not this is a new era for this sort of work and you can sort of see some really interesting stuff coming out of this so it has it causes us to really question. So we can say, well, we know that consciousness survives because we know, well, a lot of the time you get information that's just people are reading from your aura psychically, unfortunately. I think the Forever Family Foundation did a study on this and they found that 80% of, of mediums supposedly are really psychics reading the aura, not, you know. So that's a big thing. And I think there really needs to be more emphasis on the training on that and also educating the public on that you know but uh, but then you know from from leading on from that we we get to other questions of exactly what is that i mean i think we have to really question everything we think we understand because as you know we create reality from our own perspective so we've got all these stories about near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and all of these accounts of life and the afterlife and we've had those since Dante, you know, um, but now that we have this greater understanding in the in it within the last century of the nature of the physical reality and the fact that it is not anything like what we have thought for thousands of years it's like, that also begs the question of well, what exactly is it like, and what exactly is the nature of consciousness and how it's existing and how that interacts with us outside the body. Yes. So it opens up whole fields of of questioning, which I would love to see sort of more mediums engage in. Oh, absolutely. And and I think I think we're just I mean, as much as mediumship has progressed in the in the recent years, I feel in, in some ways, you know, getting more modern and away from from the I don't know, what's this, you know, the the age of 
darkroom seances and, and things like oh, the that. The Victorian era. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's some of there's still an element of that around. Um, but it's, yeah. it's it's so nice to see you know just in very recent years that people are starting to get away from that and and expecting you know everything to be in the light almost literally in the light. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so we can understand consciousness a little bit better without all the the bells and whistles per se. Um, yeah. So what I wanted to like the the experience that you had to bring it to a different way. I know we're coming up on a break very shortly, but there's one thing I'd, I'd love for you to address um, is that you know the the experience that you have with your fiance. It's so profound and so. I mean, obviously, it was it was progressive. It happened over, um, you know, several months and, and months. years. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who's who's lost someone and they're just begging for that kind of connection, you know, you, I know as a mm-hmm. medium, we've both met people who are just like, I just want to know they're okay. How mm-hmm. how can you what can we, what can you say to people? What advice can you offer someone who who says I want that kind of connection? Uh-huh. And is it possible for them? Um, I, it really, you know, that's just, that's sort of like saying, can everybody have the same marriage, you know? Exactly, I mean, yes. it's going to, it's, these things are going to be affected by the nature of the person, uh, by the sensitivity of the person. We know that people are okay. I mean, I'm sure you have, I know I have communicated with thousands and thousands of people and something I have always said that, those in the spirit world are those are are in discarnate form are those who are best equipped to help others in discarnate form heal and grow in advance. And I have never come across anybody ever in the thousands of contacts and communications I've had, I've never come across anybody in a state of distress. Now I have come across people who are remorseful for their behavior and what they did and apologetic and um and whatnot and i have come across a lot of people who are you know describing their experiences and what they did here in life but it's not that they're continuing to do that is that they're trying to show that they can see now in retrospect they understand their behavior and they're apologizing for it so it's not just oh i'm sorry because that can be tried it's like i did all of these things i know that now i can see it now i couldn't see it at the time uh, and I'm very sorry for the pain I caused you. That's not somebody continuing to live that trauma. That's just somebody trying right. to come back and give an honest uh, a, a, a understanding. It's not even an excuse. It's really just to provide understanding for the loved ones they harmed, for example, that that, that goes on. So I've never come across any kind of just, so it's a very long-winded way of saying, as far as I know, as far as I'm concerned and all my experiences with everybody. And I had a guy downstairs for me here, shot, murdered in the building here in New oh York a few years ago. Wow. But, you know, and the first night I encountered him, he was agitated. But then the police came around and they found the body and family were notified. And the next evening he came around and he felt much calmer. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't ever come across anybody who was not okay. Yes, that's that, neither have I. Uh, I truly have. Yeah. And we're coming up on a break. Hold that thought because I do want to delve into that a bit longer. So um, today I'm talking with Karen Francis McCarthy, author and medium. We'll be back just after the break.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intuitive Life with Laura Wooster. everyone, and welcome back to The Intuitive Life. I'm Laura Worcester, and I'm here with my guest, medium and author, Karen Francis McCarthy. And I failed to mention her website. I just want to get that out there right now. And it's Karen F is in Francis McCarthy.com. So, uh, Karen, before we went on the break, we were talking about, you know, how um, how our experience of the spirit world, um, you know, people really are okay. You know, they, they may come back with, with um, expressing, okay, yes, I, I admit that I was this way in life and, and in a sense, an apology of some kind, but, you know, people really are all right. Yeah. And, that, and I know yeah. it sounds like, I know it sounds like so cliche and we say, well, people really are okay. And, and people say, you're just saying that, like, not really. They truly are all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it comes back to our own sort of Christian beliefs where we think, you know, did somebody arrive in heaven, hell, or actually Catholic in purgatory? you know or did they make it okay you know but um you know i mean that's sort of early medieval christian thought well i mean it's current thought as well but you know purgatory being eliminated um from christian thought during the protestant reformation you know has kind of raised a lot of those fears that are sort of still with us 500 years later of you know if did somebody is somebody in heaven but I think what we what we need to, and I realize this in sort of contemporary literature while I'm doing, you know, researching that made the PhD I'm working on, is that really we've come into an era in the 21st century where um, we have these different concepts of the afterlife with different understanding, where it's not just three states, heaven, hell, or purgatory, where it's just a continuation. You know, so we don't have to arrive anywhere. It's just a continuation. And so this is not a question of, we don't, we can't really, those, those sort of beliefs are not really relevant that much. And I'm sure some people won't, have, won't like me for saying that today as they were, you know, even during the Victorian era. And so what we've got is just, are people continuing to grow and heal? Who yes. are they with? That's a big mm-hmm. thing, um, especially for the recent things, especially for children. Yes. You know, people who have lost children, it's very important to be able to identify who they are with there uh, and so that the parent doesn't know that they're not alone. You know, so I feel that's like a very important thing to be able to share with bereaved parents. Um, the other thing too is, is that there's a lot of superstition that sort of emanated really from Homer back at the time of the classics about uh, which is still shared. I've come across this myself of saying that, oh, somebody is lost. They've yes. died and they're lost. Their spirit is lost or they uh, are earthbound. They're stuck to the earth. And I mean, these are, I, I'm a huge advocate of the adequate education of mediums because these are very old beliefs. Yes. When you start to identify where these beliefs come from, you realize it's just a belief somebody made up for a story 2,000 years ago or 500 years ago, yeah. that these things have no veracity in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. But pe- a lot of people, and unfortunately a lot of mediums out there, do a considerable amount of harm because they're perpetuating these fictions, you know, these fictions from from Homer, from the Iliad, from Dante, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, these are, 
these are medieval concepts. I mean, Dante is medieval. And, um, you know, and then we get into things like the Reformation, where the elimination of purgatory meant that if you weren't a stellar individual, oh, did that mean you couldn't go to heaven? Because there was no more in between. And then there was the belief that arose out of that, that, well, if a person was good and they made it to heaven, they would never want to come back here. So if you're being haunted, it has to be a demon. Because if your loved one went to hell, well, they can't get out of hell. If they went to heaven, they wouldn't want to get out of heaven. So if you've got a presence around you, that has to be a demon. That's a that's from the 1500s, these concepts, you know. So I really would love to see more mediums informed, of the people in general informed of where these stories originate from so that they can decide for themselves if they want to continue to believe in them. But that's a lot of the experiences I have with people distressed about their loved ones because they've they've been worried because they're carrying these belief systems. They don't really know where they got them from. They're just sort of out there in in the atmosphere. Or they've been to a medium who believes in this stuff. Right. And the medium has caused some that to I mean, somebody told me that my fiancé was earthbound. Oh, pray for him. He's earthbound. He can't move Goodness. on. I'm like, which, I, which, as you know, there's a, there's a whole section in my book, just a few scenes in my book where I actually started reading everything I could get my hands on at the time to see where this was coming from. But right. that's important. It's important to just stop perpetuating these belief systems um, uh, and exactly. because they do harm, for one thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, especially with um, you know the the concept of of rescue circles and rescue mediums yeah. and and um, and and I and I I know there's gonna be people listening who believe in those things, but I've never yeah. felt the need for that. I've never, in my own experience, come across that. Even in the beginnings of my development, it never. Yeah. I, never, I never felt like that was needed. Um, I mean, we are already spirit, and and we just we can't we can't separate ourselves from that we are we from spirit we're going to stay in spirit um whether we're in the physical world or not um because we are a spirit there already is, yeah yeah and there is that sort of element of of perceiving reality as this physical thing so and ge- and the geography of it so if we die the spirit went someplace like on a map or something you know like, yes. which you know when we start to understand you know modern physics we start to and we start to understand how consciousness theorists have been able to adapt a lot of the theories of physics like non-locality, etc. We start to see that we have to challenge these beliefs. We have to challenge our own perceptions yes. of what we think is real, you know, um, because it be, because it's the only way we're really going to expand the mind at this point, you know. And the other thing I mentioned to you on the break was I have I've sat with a lot of people. Uh, in the process of their transition, I did these, I did grief and bereavement counselling training, and I did um, uh, end of life work at a hospice for a while as well. And what I have known from experiences is that nobody dies alone. Exactly. There's always a gathering, and in fact, for my own relatives, I know if I have a sick relative, I know if they're going to die for the simple reason that I start to sense the gathering. Yes. When you start to sense the gathering, you know that the ancestor family are coming for them. And very, when we know that nobody dies alone, when we know that the child dies, the grandparent is there, or somebody else is there, there's a few, always a few people there. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, so how can they lose them? How kids, how loads of people from the spirit world come to collect somebody here on the deathbed? And then 
they lose. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, you know. So a really cute little thing that happened. My, my uncle passed away in January, unfortunately. And because of COVID, nobody could get to the hospital. Nobody could see him. He was very sad. Like a lot of people are experiencing at the moment that there are loved ones who are in hospitals. It's very difficult for everybody because you sort of hear and you can't see them and you can't sit with them. And a lot of people, very unfortunately, have been robbed of that profound experience that happens at the moment of a transition, which is a very another very, very sad aspect of this whole era that we're in. But in January, my uncle was taken to hospital um, very suddenly, just after Christmas, the pain is back, went to hospital, and they did a whole bunch of tests. And a week later, um, he is starting to look like they were saying, oh, he had to go to a, a, a nursing home or whatever, which he didn't want to do. And so then the question was, you know, the hospitals, they will prolong life. That's their job. They will prolong life no matter what. The quality, the, you know, because their job is to keep people alive. Right. And so we're, I'm starting to think it doesn't look to me like, it doesn't feel to me like he's coming out of that hospital. And I knew that he would give up the fight if he thought coming out meant going to a nursing home. And so I just sort of sat there and I said, because I wasn't there and I was sort of, we couldn't sort of sit there, I just sent out the thought, is, is there anybody with my Uncle Phil? Are you with him? You know, and of course, I expect my grandmother would be there and I expect my mother would be there. So I was like, just so I know for myself that you're there, somebody I don't know, tell me who you are, you know? And so I hear somebody says, Mary, here, Mary's here. And I'm like, Mary, we don't have any relatives at all on that side of the family called Mary. So I'm like, well, who are you? We don't have any Marys. She says, it's a girlfriend. Now, my uncle was a bachelor. He died at 82, never married. All his life, he was a bachelor. And so I'm like the girlfriend. And I was thinking about this, and I called my cousin. I said, do you remember back in the day, Mom, my, our mothers, my, my aunt and my mother, they they talking about Uncle Phil having been engaged at some point. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, you know, I did hear that, something about being engaged, but I don't know anything else about it. Mm-hmm. So then I'm thinking, why would Mary say she was a girlfriend if she was a fiancé, right? Mm-hmm. So a few days later, my uncle passed away and we had a, I was able to organize a very small funeral for him. And on the way back with my other uncle, his brother, in the car, I said, um, hey, do, you, do you remember Uncle Phil having um, a fiancé at some point? And he said, uh, yeah, no, he said it wasn't a formal thing. She was the girl, his girlfriend. Yeah. There was no promise made. And I said, um, do you know anything about her? Do you know her name or anything at all about her? And he said, oh, yes, it was Mary Thomas from Donegal. (laughs) And this is 62 years later. Amazing. 62 years later, he Mm dies and she's there with him. And those little sort of things, I think it's the one thing that gives people, even in a time of COVID, a little bit of reassurance is to know that there was a gathering of loved ones there for their loved one in their transition so they were not afraid i mean anybody who sits with the dying a lot most of nine times out of ten you see a very profound change coming over them you start to see them looking very intently at the blank spaces between people around the room yes. because they're seeing other people my mother yes. this happened to my mother a lot my mother 
My, I mean, there were people showed up for my mother I never heard of. I actually had to go research them afterwards, mm-hmm. you know. And so it happens. And that's, for me, provides a lot of security and a lot of reassurance to a lot of people once they understand that, once you can tell them who is there. It's such a relief for a mother to find her child is with the grandparent. Absolutely. And when you can tell them that, how can they not be okay? Yes. Absolutely. And and the good thing, too, as well, that I'm finding that um, I'm, get, I'm having this come up more and more in my sessions about the possibility of healing after someone crosses. Like some pe- So many people are concerned about, I never got to resolve this, or my, my, my father was very resistant to any kind of a healing within the family, or maybe the personality didn't allow for it, or there's something there, and they, there's just this remorse for not being able to um, have the healing with the relationship that they really wanted while the person was still here. And I'm having to, you know, to let them know you can still facilitate healing, even though your person's in spirit, that this can continue on. Yeah. Um, so did you find well, that? Well, the relationship, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the relationship continues. And I've had yes. people come, I mean, I had, I worked with one woman at one point a few years ago who had a very, her father was very abusive. Mm-hmm. And she came for sitting because she wanted to speak to somebody else. But the father came and she didn't want to speak to him and I had to send him away. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then somebody else came and we did the session. And then a month or so later, she came back and she goes, okay, I'm ready to talk to my father. Mm-hmm. But it was 17 years since the father had passed, you know. And um, But when he came, it was like it almost it took him that long mm-hmm. to really grow and learn and be able to look back and take personal responsibility for his own part and everything. To be able to come and offer a real understanding that, that I mean, anybody can say, oh, your father's here, he says he's sorry, he wasn't a good father, right? right. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's really, really attuned to that person, when the medium is really there working to, for the healing for that, that person can then actually explain in detail what they did and why, mm-hmm. which it has so much more validity to it. Yes. And just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, I know I did this. I know I did that. I can see it all now. I understand what I did. And I'm very sorry for the harm it caused you. It's a very different sort of apology because it shows also that the person in spirit form has actually done a lot of growth and healing themselves to be yes. able to even be able to recognize that in themselves, you know. So, and that, you see this all, I'm sure you see, you see this all the time, yes. which is why, you know, I know, I know a lot of people love rescue circles. I'm not, I'm not a, a believer in res- the need for rescue circles because you see all of the time that, the, that those in spirit form can take care of that healing, I believe, better than we can. I've just been my experience of it, you know. Yes, yes I agree completely. And that, um, yeah, and it it's remarkable too. Like you know, because people say, well, "Well, we never get a chance to to talk about these things," and then they sit in, in a with a medium, and like you said, they you know, I'm, I'm admitting to this, and this is why I responded this way, and and then there's an understanding there, and healing can happen, even though the person has has moved on from the physical world. Um, well, we'll all catch up in the end, you know. So yes, that's true. But also, yeah, you know, it's also that uh, you can't expect it overnight. You know, it's not yeah. like 
I had somebody here, I had a very abusive father, brother, husband, or whatever. I'm sorry for all the men listening to me naming all the males. <laughs> yeah. Males as the gay fighters. But, you know, I had this sort of abusive relationship and the person has died. You know, you don't just die and the next day spread wings. Exactly. You know, it takes time, but it takes healing. It's almost like if we start to just perceive this as a continuity rather than some radical shift, which is really an old religious belief system. Yes. If we actually start to look at it more from within our 21st century frame of our lens, you know, knowing what we understand about consciousness and theory and, and physics, etc. right now, we yeah. start to see that this is just an ongoing process. Um, you know, I often say to people, they think their loved one is kind of so far away or they've gone, so there's some geography in the spirit world. I mean, I don't know what's between here and there, which was supposed to be geography. I mean, do you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. So, um, but, and I say this to people all the time, this is what we were talking about earlier when we were saying people don't sometimes recognize the science can be so subtle. I come across, and I'm sure you have so many people who are just sort of washing the dishes or doing the laundry or something, and then suddenly a memory or a thought of their loved one just comes into their mind very clearly, very crisp, very, very suddenly, almost like it interrupted their thoughts. And just out of the blue, they just have an completely unrelated thought about their loved one. Mm-hmm. And then they think they're just thinking about their loved one. Yes. Whereas what's actually happened is, is their loved one was thinking about them. Yes. And they felt the thought. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between just sort of ruminating and then having these sort of interrupting type thoughts. Yes. Or a clear example in. of somebody mm-hmm. thinking about them. And people don't realize this that they're not far away someplace, that we understand there is no such thing as geography, mm-hmm. you know, that even in this world, even even the physicists have shown us that what we think is real, what we think exists, is really doesn't it's a construct of time and space and speed, you know. So we start to see that if we can see if we can if we can see past these things, we can understand that nobody we're only ever a thought away from anybody. So true. It's just sort of mind blowing stuff, you know, and it can be very hard to get your head around this. And I'm, you know, I spent a lot of time obviously reading and studying and talking to people about this. But um, it's important to remember that people, there is no geography, there is no heaven, hell, purgatory, they're not somewhere miles away in some other universe. It's not like some inaccessible dimension. We are part of one continuous consciousness, and thoughts can arise and be felt and shared all of the time and as you know I say in my book the funny thing about that was realizing that meant that I understood that there was always somebody listening to my thoughts too <laughs> which yeah. is pretty transformative as well because when you or when you realize you've got an audience for every thought you kind of start yeah. to shift your thinking you know? <laughs> yes absolutely I mean, it does it kind of takes yeah it kind of takes um I don't know it's when you mentioned that in the book um, it, it, it reminded me of when I had that realization too, when I was developing, well, obviously we're all still developing as mediums, but one of my early years yeah. of developing, um, it's like that, that was kind of a freeing thing to realize that, that our, our thoughts are not private. And it's a, for some people that's really scary. Um, but for, yeah. but for me, I felt like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Know? Oh, I don't have to yeah. worry about being caught out, found out or judged because they yes. already know. I mean, it's actually very sort of liberating to, to find that people can hear your worst, worst thoughts you've ever had. Yes. And they didn't judge you for it. Absolutely. And I mean, it, that it, isn't that phenomenal. That's prof- so profound that, that, that you, yeah, exactly. When you say this, it's just, it's, it's like the definition of, of unconditional love, the acceptance. Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. The, um, so as, as you're going into, you know, obviously you're doing so, a lot of research on, on consciousness and, and everything. How do you see, from what you know now so far, how do you see our knowledge of consciousness and the ever-growing you know, awareness of that? How do you see that affecting the modern medium and how we do our work? Well, I think it's really going to depend on whether the modern medium wants to be bothered with it. You know, I mean, um, a lot of people are just quite happy just to continue sort of giving messages and getting evidence and giving evidence and and um, they really don't want to sort of push past that or, or do the sort of head-wrecking work of trying to understand the real yes. nature of reality, and that's just their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's only, at the moment, there are very, very few people I know. I would love to hear from more mediums who are very much into these sort of really mind-expanding and concept-expanding um, you know, areas. There's some phenomenal work being doing being done in other areas and I, I think, you know, mediums have the first direct experience. How much could we contribute if only we started to really engage with the sort of the, the community, the psychologists, the parapsychologists, the scientists more and more, beyond just let me put a bunch of electrodes on your head and see what happens in your brain, you know. And we've yeah. done that. There's got to be we've got to be able to move on from that and contribute to collective human thought in another way. I would love to see more of that, but it it takes a lot of work and it's not easy stuff to comprehend and not everybody really wants to be bothered, you know, so, but I would definitely love to see more people really engaged in what as mediums can we really contribute to collective human thinking. Yes, yeah, beyond, I mean, obviously there's value to providing evidence that loved ones live on, but there's there's so much more to it, so much more. And, yeah. Um, well, one does not preclude the other. I mean, being open to to all of these new modes of thinking and awareness and understandings of reality does not preclude also sitting down with some new groups and giving them a very healing and profound message from their loved one. It's it's not either or, you know what I mean? But a lot of people just mm-hmm. that they're quite happy just to stay there. So I would love to be able to see somebody, see people starting to emerge now with a much broader and bigger um, sort of a- approach to mediumship. I think we're, we're long overdue. Absolutely. That's for sure. I mean, there's definitely still a need for the evidential mediumship in the, in the, in the form that it is, because I, I still, I mean, obviously I know you still, you must still have people come in and sit with you and, and they'll, they'll say at the end, just tell my, tell my mom, I love her. It's like, you just did. It's like, how can you not realize that she heard you already, you know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's interesting how people still feel like someone else has to say that for them, you know? Yeah, I think, but again, I think it comes back to the nature of mediumship as well. When we're just focused, and I, I gave a talk yesterday on this too, and, you know, there's, we fall into this sort of early training concept where we're just sort of, we have to give 10, 15, 20, like really stellar details that we couldn't possibly know to prove some of these vibes. But as a writer, I approach mediumship as more about sharing the person's story and then their de- the details of that story naturally emerge in the sitting. 
so that their awareness of their loved one's life, even at the moment, becomes evident, you know, so that the person goes away knowing that their loved one is still present in their life. I think that makes a big difference. It's another way I would love to see mediumship advance into just, you know, getting, just allowing evidence naturally evolve within whatever story the discarnate person wants to share instead of sort of meeting them with a list. Okay, let me give you this checklist of what I need before we can go on, you know. Yeah. Uh, I really do think that we should be able to advance mediumship there. It's a, it's a much more profound experience. Mm, um, great. And so it would, I think, offer so much more potential for you. There's always going to be the person who comes in with their arms folded and said, okay, prove it to me. And there's always going to be a need for mediums who are going to be willing to say, okay. You know? <laughs> um, so I know there's that. I'm, just because I'm saying we need one thing does not mean I'm saying we don't need something else. I'm just saying there is so much more scope to be open and expansive with this. Yes. And move forward with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely. Um, Okay, so we're down to our last 90 seconds, and what I'd like to, you know, what 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 could you offer to our listeners? Not from not necessarily coming from a medium, but from someone who lost someone suddenly, and mm. understands what that's like to go through that that sudden loss. What could what's one piece of advice that you could offer someone who maybe is still in the throes of of sudden grief? Well, I would say. If they, you know, first off, you know they're all right, know they didn't die alone, and know that they're still present, whether you're you're aware of that presence or not. If you do, if you would like to explore that presence, um, what's that? If you would like to explore that presence, just to find um, a way, like Dr. Lou Legrand's book on Love Lives On, it's a beautiful little book, or my book, through unabashed plug, is offers ways to. Um, learn to identify those signs to recognize their presence. And I recommend to everybody, meditate. Sit, find a meditation practice that works for you. It will help you in your grief. It will help you with your sensitivity. It will help you with your awareness so that when you actually are ready to start becoming aware of your loved one's presence, you will have a practice to support you. Wonderful advice. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Karen. It was lovely having a chat with you. Everybody, please go to Karen's website, Karen Francis McCarthy, and her website's Karen, F is in Francis, McCarthy.com. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. I'd love to have you on again. Thank you, Laura. Nice chatting. Thank Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.